Good morning, campers. It's field day. Grab your flashlights and your hatchets. We're going spelunking. <laughs> or for you dullards, caving. For the counselors, please mind your assignments. Sarah and Beth, you guys are on snack and water duty. Rebecca and Sam, please double check all the equipment. And Juno, most important job, you're in charge of the map, of course. <laughs> Everyone else, follow Juno's lead. Remember, all camp rules still apply. Stay close to your counselors. Don't litter. Leave the cave better than you found it. And of course, if you come across a horde of flesh-eating cave people, do not feed them, seriously. If we lose any more campers, All right, children, let's go have some fun. Hello, welcome to Bunk 237, ah, horror movie podcast, the fictional summer camp that we made up so we could fight lake monsters and talk horror movies. <laughs> I'm Too Yet. And I'm Robin, and our fellow camper slash guest today is Meredith Alloway, a filmmaker behind uh, short films like Deep Tissue and Ride, both of which are excellent and you must check out. Thank you for being here with us, Meredith. Thank you guys for having me. I'm very, very excited about this. That's basically just been my whole life is like sitting around a metaphorical campfire and like talking <laughs> about horror movies and freaking each other out. Uh, so this is just, you know, a day in life. Happy yeah. to be part of it. We are very it. excited. Uh, I do want to uh, pre-apologize. Is that possible? <laughs> is that a thing? Uh, if I sound a little off, it is because I am. Um, I've been, I've spent the last 48 hours, like just moving. I'm moving into a new apartment and a new neighborhood. And I feel like super crazy. And so, but I think that that works very well um, with today's movie. We are watching 2005's The Descent, a crazy movie about a crazy woman in a crazy situation. It is directed by Neil Marshall. This is the story of Sarah, a grieving mother, a grieving widow, um, a young woman who experiences a terrible sudden loss of both her husband and her daughter in a car accident. Um, about a year after this, sort of still reeling and dealing with the trauma, um, she goes on a girl's trip to sort of, I think, continue to work out these issues uh, with her friends uh, by doing what we all do in these situations, by going into dark caves. <laughs> uh, and they get into the cave. Now, these are experienced women. They are outdoorsy. They are active. Like, they are, you know, they know what the word spelunking means, and they get into this cave. So it, this isn't a thing where they are um, going into a deep unknown. I think that it is initially presented as as sort of a coming back uh, for them to, uh, you know, sort of to sort of deal with things in a physical way that they've already kind of been through. Um, but things take a terrible turn when there's a cave in after they get into the cave and they discover one, that they are not in the cave that they thought they were. And two, they're also being hunted by underground carnivorous humanoid like predators. And this yeah, is man, the descent so and they find good. themselves in a literal <laughs> and figurative hell. 
it is the best movie. I love this movie so much. Uh, Meredith, what is your relationship to The Descent? You know, I saw The Descent years ago. Um, and it's very funny revisiting, um, maybe 10 years later, more or more, and the things that I notice about um, the female dynamics that I didn't necessarily notice before, um, I consider myself a grown-ass woman now. And, uh, you know, what I saw, I, I must have been, what is this, 2005, you said? Yeah, 2005. Um, so I was, you know, a youngin. I was still in high school. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I just, it was exciting for me to look out with a new lens of, like, how after a moment of trauma, your female friends are really the ones who are there for you. And I saw a lot of other themes I didn't notice before. Like when uh, you guys are like, let's talk about the descent. My first thought was um, like slasher movie set in cave with like humanoid creature, like who developed those monsters. I want to work with them. You know, and that was sort of like all that I remembered. And I remembered it being like very scary. So it was exciting to come back to it and be like, what are the things I didn't notice before? And what are the things that's that, um, you know, stuck with me over the years? I love the layers of the female relationship in this movie. Um, I think early there are initially when Neil Marshall was uh, had conceived this movie, I think yeah, he had initially intended like sort of a mixed male and female cast and then at a certain point kind of pivoted to make an all-female lead uh and i think that that is fascinating i think that's a strong move and um i read that he also consulted sort of with a lot of his female friends um to sort of get the reactions on sort of how they how they would react to things in this situation and their relationships with each other so he did do some sort of like initial research in the sense of at least just like talking to other women while he was writing this, which I thought the was very really interesting. The very least he could do. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> well, but I, I think it worked in such a great way because I they think that the six women, I think, uh, are great characterizations of different kinds of female relationships, you know, mm. the sort of yes. um, yeah. the best friends, the younger sister, the older sister, uh, the also the sort of secret nemesis, you know, or the sort of the little bit of a rivalry between um, Sarah yeah. and Juno, um, and then also the serving, and then just like the ride or die best friend and Beth. Um, how did you guys react to that? Like Robin, you saw this very recently for the first time. Yeah. Yes. As I, a grown it's ass one of those woman, movies that has always <laughs> been, always been on my list, and just like wasn't available to stream, and wasn't you know, or like I don't know, I just never sat down to watch it. So I watched it for the first time last night, and I loved it so much <laughs> that I texted to yet just to tell her how much I loved it right after. I know I was so excited. It was like, and this is this is such a I think a hilarious girlfriend moment of like <laughs> all caps. Omg, I love this movie. <laughs> And it was part of it was the fact that it's an all female cast was was fun and and cool, but just the just how badass they were, like all of them were like hanging from the cave roof and 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 then they like literally full on brawled with the the crawler creatures. And it was like, it wasn't like they got hit, you know, they hit them once and ran away. It was like full on fist fights with these things that I was like, this is, it wasn't what I expected. It was better. It was very good. 
I loved it. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it, I thought maybe possibly I, like, that it would have felt dated in some way because it came out, you know, 15 years ago at this point, but it really didn't to me. Yeah, I think, um, you know, now, like, of course, when I saw this, I wasn't trying to get female driven movies made. And now that I am you, I, you know, I was looking at it from a completely different perspective going, okay. Like I purposely didn't look up who the filmmaking team was behind it because I just wanted to let the film wash over me for what it was. And as I was watching it, I was like, I know a man wrote this. I can't describe it. There's little, um, microaggression moments that felt slightly masculine and not quite very feminine. That's just like, to me, I don't know. That's kind of what I felt. But then I thought if it is a man, this is someone that fought to have this be an all woman cast and fought to portray women in a light that was empowering and badass. And I kept thinking about that. And I was like, whoever made this and then going back, of course, and like looking up the team, I was like, I really wonder how many hoops, you know, this filmmaking team had to jump through and say, this has to be all women. And this is what we want women doing on screen, betraying each other, slaughtering people. Uh, I mean, I just, I found that like, you know, at a certain point with horror films, it takes a lot for me to just my filmmaking brain to turn off and let the film wash over me. And I feel like with this, it was, it was a joy to have both brains on because I was enjoying it as a viewer, but also as a filmmaker, just like mad respect getting this movie made. Absolutely. And I like that. I really appreciated that the women were badass from the beginning of the movie. It, they didn't have to have a journey where they were like any of they None of them were like weak. You know, I think that that is the trope that comes up a lot in horror movies where it's sort of like a kind of a weak woman who finds herself and then she becomes the final girl or the badass at the end. But all these women like start off as thrill seekers, as fucking, as women that can like rock climb. Like, uh, I think, (laughs) is it, um, is it Rebecca or Sam when she's uh, rock climbing to put the, the pitons and the, um, I, I looked up what these were called the, uh, active crammers. I did look that up because I was like, I I wanted to know what it was called. And those the little uh, the little switchy device when she's uh, climbing to put the carabiners so that they could go across a little crevasse. They're called ACDs. They're active cramming devices <laughs> <laughs> that secures you know in rocks, cracks, or pockets. Um, they and they kind of set her up to be like the the worry wart kind of like reader book like let's stick to the trail kind of yeah. woman and then like out of nowhere she's just like I'm gonna I'm gonna do this yeah. and she's just so badass <laughs> I can't even hold myself up that's like like the idea of like holding yourself up with one arm and then like doing this like intense like rock climbing thing I don't even know but I love that all of those women were those women from the beginning but they still continued on this journey where they still like in the course of this what hour and a half two hours that they like were already badass but they grew to be even more badass and also dead a little dead (laughs) some of them (laughs) I want to talk about this shot um at the beginning and and your feelings around it because I feel like this film does a very good job of visually in two like bookend shots. I almost want to know if you guys know what they are, like bookending the emotional journey of um, the lead. 
you know, um, there's two shots that I was like, this is such a smart film in so many ways. It's like visually telling the story of not just like demons, you know, but like, this is the story about this woman and trauma. I wonder if you guys know what those shots are. Are you talking about the uh, the birthday scenes with her daughter? Okay, the well, the scenes? birthday scenes, I still, I want to unpack because I'm still a little Yeah, bit. that's a whole thing. I, I don't know if, if these are the shots that you're talking about, but the I call them the final destination shots. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're de- they, they're definitely the final destination. I know exactly what shot you're talking about, Robin. <laughs> Where her, uh, her husband and her daughter tragically die when the whatever it is, a spear of some kind yeah. <laughs> goes through the window. Um, and then at the end, when she escapes and she's driving away and she pulls over because she's, you know, just overwhelmed <laughs> as, as one <laughs> <She> would be. <laughs> um, and then that giant logging truck <laughs> goes by, zips by her. Oh, oh man. I didn't even think about the fact that the logging truck is also from Final Destination. It's also I Final just like, Destination. I know that that first death within the first five minutes, which is incredibly, I love when horror movies yeah. do that. <laughs> like, yeah. Just, it is. I think we talk about like horror movies being unrelenting, but this one is just like, fucking unrelenting it's unrelenting those were the shots though. no Sarah, but i also love talking about but i also love that that wasn't what i was thinking of and i'm like oh god those are also two really amazing <laughs> yeah, yeah, shots. yeah yeah you know um yeah. no i was talking about because it feels like an outlier but it makes sense at the end of the film when she's running in the hospital and <gasps> oh, she's yes. running and the lights yes. are shutting down and yeah. it's so not of the world. I was curious, like, mm-hmm. what you guys felt like the intention was in, like, setting up the story in this kind of, like, almost, like, sidebar, here's what the rest of the movie is going to be. I just really loved that moment. I loved it, too, and I felt like it was it was so different from the rest of the movie, but it didn't feel out of place. And she has those visions of her daughter, and she has these sort of, like... Um, there are these moments where you're meant to question her, you know, what she's seeing, you know, and if it's real. And I was really impressed at how, like, even though it was so different from the rest of the movie, it felt like it fit. Yeah, I really mm-hmm. like the, um, I love how much play there was on, in light and darkness in this movie. And, like, in the hospital scene, like, I like that it's, like, a little uh, hallucinatory. Is, is that right? <laughs> hallucinatory. And, um that she's sort of like running away from darkness. I think this whole movie is a constant literal and figurative, like every every visual thing happening is a metaphor for what's happening like, you know, outside and inside of her. Um, and like for me, I think it was just that constant play of that. And like, she's like running away from darkness, but then also like going further into it as the movie is going. Um, and I thought that that was such a, like a smart, scary way to and all he's doing is turning on the lights in a hallway or turning them off in a hallway i love what you're saying about that because i didn't i didn't you know i I said this for this phrase to a lot of my friends during quarantine because this is 2020 i've been saying that like the only way out of hell is through misery and uh I started you isn't that great um (laughs) yeah it's like please please expand on that Well, it started. It started because um, I was like in. Um, it was it was like a group, sort of like therapy group that I go to. Um, that, but it was like I don't even know how to describe it. I, everything that we're doing on Zoom is a whole new world, 
And it's basically like um, this like wellness center I really love in Manhattan that I normally go and have like one-on-one sessions. Um, wellness and is that such a random like word to use, but that's kind of like the most <laughs> generic way to approach it. Anyway, they moved a lot of their like group classes, um, which range from like, you know, Reiki and crystals and all this like stuff. Um, but that's not what I was going for. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but point is they did this like group thing and all these women were on and it was really powerful. And the therapist was like a guest speaker to the group. And she said that to the group and it really stuck with me and I wrote it down because like um, my feature script that I've been writing and like finishing up during quarantine, uh, that's sort of the journey that the character goes on. And it felt like a very concise way to um, describe a character journey, especially when you're trying to talk about the project in a concise way. And then it began to apply to like the lives that we're leading. And then yet here it is again in this film where I love what you brought up about in the hospital, she is actually running away from darkness because the lights are shutting off behind her where the bookend shot, the stellar, you know, the light coming through and we see the bones mm-hmm. crawling out. She's crawling out of the darkness to the light. So it does feel sort of like this is a woman who's not going to escape the darkness unless she confronts it. That's it. That's, That's it. <laughs> That's the movie. That's right. that, that shot stuck with me too, though, because like it's a, it's a beautiful movie. It is <laughs> a beautiful movie. Not all horror movies that feature humanoid creatures that live in the earth can, you know, can say that. <laughs> but it really is like a pretty artful movie. The cinematography. Like, yeah. I mean, the first time I saw it, I was dying. And it is definitely like this is a movie you have to watch in the dark. You know, like it is the best experience. No, thank you. In the dark. <laughs> I like <laughs> I shut off all my lights. I made it as dark as possible because it's like. It is. It plays so much with that claustrophobia, with being inside of a cave, and like when the entire screen is dark and there's this tiny little light, and when they're crawling through those things, like you feel like I like I my muscles are tense just talking about it, <laughs> and I love that like that uh, they did that all the way from the beginning because I feel like every single thing from the beginning, from the car accident, is just importance of doom just everything is more and more dread mm. it's sort of like there's the car accident there's the hospital there's uh the dead elk that they're walking across there's <laughs> yeah. when uh there's leaving the guidebook behind you know there's like yeah. you know, and it's like and as as a viewer you are trained to like look out for this you know you're trained to be like there's the gun in the first act you know you're like these are the things that i'm looking for later and usually it's like a couple of things but this is like every scene is just like more and more like deeper and deeper and deeper into just like the worst dreads and um and i i watched the time because i i mean watching it uh on other other times you know i realize you realize how long it takes for them to get to the movie monster it's 47 minutes into the movie before you even see the first little like shimmer of a movie monster and then it's another and then it's Ten minutes after that is the first attack. So that's like an hour. This movie takes an hour to show you anything. It spends an hour making you scared of something, but you don't know what. And also making them go deeper and deeper into the <laughs> <Yeah>. earth. <laughs> so you know that there's no easy way out. Yeah. Uh, I think the... Uh, I really love the scene when they first realize, like right after the cave-in, and they're getting into the big fight with Juno, when Juno has to fess up that they are not in the right cave, that there is no rescue, that they don't have a 
way out and they can't go back. That whole scene with all six women like fighting and yelling at each other, and but you also know that like their whole world just closed in around them. I think that would that might be the scariest <laughs> scene to me. Just like the end of being trapped in the yeah. Well, something in that scene too that stands out that, you know, because I, I couldn't remember, like I said, I didn't remember the female dynamics. I didn't remember the betrayals. I didn't remember that stuff. But there's a line that I went, ooh, and it scared me where um, I can't remember, whichever character is, is the one that, you know, accidentally stabs the chick and then leaves her. And Juno. then that comes Juno. Yeah. Juno. <laughs> Juno. Juno. Great actress, great performance, you know, but a uh, shitty, shitty person. What goes around yeah. comes around. But she says, one of the other girls says, you know, you're so selfish, la la la. And she's like, you know, we all lost something that day. And I yeah. went, this is like, what the fuck? This isn't about <laughs> you. What did you yeah. lose? Did you lose your husband and your daughter? What are you even talking about? And I went, this is a bad gal. This is bad, dude. <laughs> I liked that she was bad. Like, yeah. that she was bad and that at the end, you know, they were about to have their, like, girl moment and make up. <laughs> Sarah was like, no, thank you. <laughs> You're a monster. <laughs> and fucking knifes her in the leg and leaves her yeah. there. Wait, that whole, like, let's like let's just talk about, like, just Sarah yeah. and Juno. Like, their whole relationship yes. is kind of built on a lie or built on a false friendship, right? And the, I think the first time I watched it, I, uh, you know, sort of the, the nod to the fact that Juno was sleeping with Sarah's husband, I, the first time I watched it, I thought that was, I don't know, I didn't like that. I thought that was a little cheap because it's sort of, I think that, that to me sort of felt like kind of a male perspective of women sort of like stealing each other's husbands or, you know, sort of that sort of dynamic than them making, making them kind of catfight in a way about it, you know, um, instead of being mad at the husband. It is like that, although like I understood and, you know, towards the end of the movie, it, it, I like that they're rivals and I like that Sarah kills Juno in the end or at least doesn't kill her but leaves her for dead in a way. Uh, but their relationship I thought was such... Um, such a fascinating relationship in that, like, you, you, like, Juno was the real monster, right? <laughs> like, she's the actual evil one. I, yeah, I thought, I thought they did it really well because Sarah is sort of painted as, like, the innocent, you know, protagonist kind of person. And then you sort of slowly figure out that she knew what was going on, right? Like, there's that moment where it's just, like, a look between them, I think. Oh, yeah. Where they where you're yeah. like, oh, she knew the whole time, you know? <laughs> or she had some inkling, and, and whatever Juno's behavior in the caves sort of confirmed it for her. You know, they didn't do the, like, let's, you know, hug and make up kind of thing. No, they, did. Was really no, like, they did not. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> it, it was a well-written character because at every sort of moment, you're going, well, what I, what would I do? You know? And I think that, um, I know that I'm craving seeing villainous, complex, uh, diverse people on screen period. And, uh, I don't think anyone, I don't think any of us or anybody else is like asking for like wonder woman in every movie. Like I love that, right? but yeah, uh, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not that, you know, even on my right, best day. Right. So I think that, you know, I really like seeing, uh, certain characters like this put in situations where I'm watching and I'm going, well, 
if I basically accidentally killed my friend, which she does, you know, your friend is, is, I thought she was dead. And so then Juno was like, okay, well, I'm going to get out of here and go save the rest of the people. But then you're like, well, did she know she was dead? Right. right. You know, and you're like, that was a tough scene because Holly gets sort of dragged off by the crawlers and then Juno jumps in and like, and she starts like, you know, trying to like get Holly back. And she is trying to play tug of war. Yeah. Trying to play tug of war with them. Yeah. And then, I, like, in that scene, like, you're rooting for Juno because that's when she, like, she's the right. first one to, like, step up and start fighting them, uses that, like, right. pickaxe to, like, uh, you know, to to bash their brains in or whatever she's trying to do. And she is, like, you know, the adrenaline-fueled, gets startled by Beth and then stabs her in the neck by accident. And then I thought it was a weird flip that she would try to save Holly but then not try to save Beth, and this is within a like a five minute time frame. Like something in their brain. Beth flipped. knows her secret. Yeah, and I don't know what. Like, <laughs> for me, I'm not sure why that flipped. Like that felt weird to me. Like was it just like what do you what do you think was it the shock that she accidentally killed that she accidentally stabbed Beth? I think she probably is doing, and I'm just thinking about this in this moment. Like the opposite of what Sarah's doing is like she, the guilt she felt around accidentally stabbing her friend. She. She leaves that darkness behind only for it to come back and eat her alive. So I think that that just like getting in the mindset of like what the character is doing is like, I can't confront what I've done. So I'm going to make up for it by saving this other friend. But it's like, but you have to confront what's happened or you're not, it's, you can't run away from something like that. Um, and which is why she's complex because, you know, you're like, well, you have this other, and even at the end when Sarah like stabs her in the leg, I'm like, kind of wanted her to save her and and then just be like you walk yourself home you know like (laughs) like, that's out of the cave but you can find your own ride home you know like that actually probably would have been i don't know maybe like the ending i would have like would have been extra better yeah uh you know but again this is you know sarah gets the the charm or whatever and all she knows she wasn't there is that you know, Juno left her other friend for dead. So that's all that she knows. And so she's reacting also right. off of adrenaline in that moment. Um, I don't think any of these characters are thinking about empathy when they're battling um, morphed <laughs> right. humans in a cave. I also think with Juno, like Juno and Holly, I think at one point she's referred to as like her protege or something. Um, and oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a very easy relationship. They are sort of mirror images of each other. They're these sort of like you know, very adventurous, like kind of risk taking, you know, people. And then Beth is really sort of tied to Sarah and that whole thing and all that drama. (laughs) And I wonder if it's sort of like a, you know, Juno, Juno was ready to jump in and save herself, you know, in Holly. Um, But, you know, couldn't, couldn't, get it together to, to save Beth, who sort of represents Sarah as well. This might be too big of a question, but, like, what is Sarah's motivation here in this movie? Like, you know, she's sort of going through this really traumatic thing, and then, you know, she's trying to get back to her life and, like, goes to, you know, goes on, agrees to go on this trip that she clearly doesn't really want to go on. Um, like, what is, what's her deal? <laughs> 
this is a good question because I do think that like, like what is this trauma right at the beginning of losing your husband and child and the birthday candles and all of this has have to do with female betrayal and female dynamics and who you can trust as friends. That didn't quite tie together for me. I think that what the film was trying to do, but I'm not, but I, again, I'm not sure is that like, um, you know, after like your girlfriends are the people that pick you up after you go through something and they're the people that you rely on. And so here is Sarah, I guess, trying to rebuild those relationships and then she gets fucked over again. Like I did, it didn't quite tie together for me to be quite honest. And, and I was, uh, I think it's there, but I don't know what you guys feel about that. Um, I feel like Sarah's whole journey is to prove that she can survive. You know, she's at a year after her family's death, she's still struggling. And in the cave, she has this like tangible way to like get this energy out and like like make physical progress towards survival. Um, and I think that that I, I, I agree, Meredith. I don't I don't know how that quite squares with the whole with all the female relationships and stuff. Um, but for me, I. It, it, she, you know, she sort of loses it in the in the caves, and and it becomes sort of this like, just like crazed person trying to get out of this horrible situation, which I think she was already trying to do. You know, gr- grieving her family. Um, I did read this one article about the movie that I'm interested in what you guys think because there is a theory that. Sarah is the only monster in the cave and that she actually kills all of the women. <laughs> oh, I've read this theory. Um, I wondered that because it does do, it does that, uh, that sort of cheap, I shouldn't call it cheap, but that storytelling technique of like making it seem like, is this all a dream? Um, Cause you know, right from the beginning, she has like very split second nightmares about her, daughter or you know being scared running through the hospital etc and so she's constantly waking up and then you know at the end of the movie she like is waking up in the car waking up in the cave depending on which ending you're seeing I think there's the idea where it's like she's always kind of playing with the darkness and like hearing sounds like you know especially like when her friends are like it's just like the light playing tricks on you it's like the darkness is like making you hear things or whatever and while I was watching it I did wonder that I was especially the first time I watched it I was like are they gonna make this a thing where the whole thing's a dream and she was the monster all along uh but in the end I think that that it's all real (laughs) I think that there are I think it's real too um one of the things that 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 person brought up in their theory is is the uh, dream shots of her daughter blowing out five candles for the five women in the cave that's an interesting And then I guess the, the very last one, the third vision that she has, it's six candles. Because now she's there also or something. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't notice that while I was watching Me it. Me neither. That's what they I said. Appreciate, I appreciate the sort of horror, like movie fans that do notice that. <laughs> I am, I'm, I am uh, not looking that hard, but I didn't see that. I'm wondering what you guys think about Juno being the only character of color in the whole group. And she's sort of this villain. Uh, I've been having these conversations with people a lot lately as I've been like casting some different projects. And I really, like you said, appreciate if 
it's not if unless it is serving the script to have the racial thing be debunking a trope or or this or that like i would almost rather have a person of color not be portrayed as a victim again you know like i thought it was really interesting because like yes i loved that you know and honestly while i was watching it it wasn't until the end where i thought oh she's the only person of color i was just involved with the characters totally because i thought the characters were so complex and i appreciated that because it it would feel cheap to be like now we're gonna set up that the one person of color in the cast is the villain (laughs) you know or or is the victim um i will say that yeah, I, I really hope that we're moving into a time where there's not only one person in the cast that's a person. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. let's just say that. Maybe two. Make them all, yeah, if they two, maybe all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Are we ready for badges? Let's do it. Robin, what you got? So my first badge is the Bechdel Bitches badge because it does pass the Bechdel test. Yay! We haven't talked about that. But also, like, there's some real bitches. (laughs) Namely, Juno. True. Yeah. And then this, just because this moment affected me so much, um, my last badge is the One Woman Left Behind badge because she fucking... (laughs) <laughs> knifes her friend in the leg and leaves her there to die. And there are, like you said, so many of them that are converging around Juno at the end. Yeah. Where you're just like, she's dead. Yeah. She's just, yeah. she just, she did. Her. She did. Yeah. <laughs> she, she made her bed. She's about to lie. She's about to die in that bed. About to die in that bed. Uh, yeah. Meredith? Mine aren't going to be as clever, eloquent by any means. And they're more, whatever, here we go. Um, This is absurd, but you know, this is how I feel. Um, (laughs) A badge for best lighting when there is no light source. I thought, think about it. That is a really good one. They had to do some creative stuff. Yeah. uh, Which ties into my second badge, which could be tied. It could be the same thing as best gaffer badge. Like just like (laughs) straight up. Yes. Love it. Yes. Best gaffer badge. Yeah. I mean, y'all. Like, especially in the beginning, I think that this is, like, after, like, basically the whole sequence of of when she's stuck when the cave is closing in, and then when they're, you know, she's carabining across the massive, you know, fall, well, whatever. What, what would you, crevice? I don't know. Crevice, whatever. Yeah. Hole. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Crevice. Um, into when they get to the other side, that whole sequence is purely lit by what's on their heads. Yeah. It is absolutely not so. And I just, yeah. des- it deserves all the badges. Yeah. Absolutely. Forever. How fun. I love it. Yeah. So true. Um, I was shook. My other badge is the, um, slaughter and spit badge Ooh. because, <laughs> Some of the, every time that, you know, was it, I believe it was Sarah or it was one of the other women would slaughter one of the mutants. She would spit on him. And I said, this is a great combo. I noticed that too. <laughs> Cause I thought that was so interesting. Cause it was just like a, just a, just kind of, kind of weird, but kind of cool. Like you've already killed them and now you're insulting them. <laughs> like in a weird old old timey like dueling right. kind of way right. 
huge. I wonder if that was in the script or the actor. I really feel like it was the actor that said, I'm just going to toss this in there. And the director said, yeah. let's make that a character thing. Totally. So it also just feels so like old West or something, but just so like <laughs> instinctual to like spit on something that you've just killed that was attacking you. I, I noticed that and I love that. And I love that badge. <laughs> Those are my badges. Those are the ones I felt like deserved an award. So that's that's what I got. That's amazing. Uh, Love it. I have a I have a um, a creature fear badge to the crawlers. Mm. Uh, nice. Just, just for being cool. I just think they're so cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just love it. They are very just cool. fucking love them. Great creature fear. Um, I also have the broken heart BFF badge. I'm gonna give one half to Beth and the other half to Sarah. <laughs> For, like, basically just, like, still being, like, girlfriends in the bathroom looking out for each other. Because, like, I love that, like, Beth, like, in her last breath was, like, by the way, Gino is evil. <laughs> like, took her la- all of her energy yeah. to warn Sarah. And then Sarah, in, like, her sort of, like, last sort of, like, not last exertion, but, you know, in an exertion of energy, like, mercy kills Beth. And that is, like, those are, those that are is fucking rough. girlfriends. <laughs> If I ever saw. I love the broken heart charm. Like, here. <laughs> you can keep yours for the next travelers that find your dead skeleton. They'll see this heart and know there were broken female friendships in this cave. That's great. That's great. That's a great way to end. Uh, Meredith. Where can we find you on the internet? What's going on? What's new? Can we watch Ride somewhere? Can we watch Deep Tissue somewhere? Yeah. Um, so I'm not good at Twitter. I'm not good <laughs> at any social media. But if you must, I'm on Instagram. And I uh, got all my stuff kind of like loaded up in there. But yeah, so Ride. Ride's on Hulu if you want to watch it on the big screen. Or it's on YouTube. It's free. Um, it's only like five and a half minutes. Something like that um super fun about a spin class from hell i mean you know that shit's real uh and then uh deep tissue started streaming about a month month and a half ago so it's free on future of film is female um which links to vimeo so you can go to vimeo or to that website which has a lot of other amazing films by women um that i totally love shorts features they do like q a's and zooms and a bunch of fun stuff like that so those films are out First date will be out on Hulu. Um, it's a short. It'll be very fun. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much yes, for talking. This to was us. awesome. Great. Thank yeah. you, Yay. guys. This was so fun talking about creatures and women and dynamics and trauma. Those are my favorite things. <laughs> Mine too. Bunk 237, a horror movie podcast, stars Yet Wen and Robin Zlotnick as the final girls of Bunk 237, and Chris Charpentier as camp director Chris. The show is produced by me, Shane Segretti. Our theme song is written and performed by Dan Zlotnick, and our outro music is written and performed by Talene Kali. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and it may be featured on an upcoming episode. Have a suggestion for a movie? Then follow us on Instagram at Bunk237Pod and Twitter at Bunk237. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are downloaded.